the power of song is awesome, isn't it? It's just it's one of those things that when we enter into this place as the people of God and we just start to praise and, and worship His name, how, how He meets with us and, and how we are literally can come into this place broken and hurting and how He can just begin to transform and change us from the inside out. Um, today, uh, there's two things that I hope to be able to accomplish. One of them is uh, to talk a little bit about Teen Challenge. And the other is um, to share a little bit about what the Lord has been teaching me about the Psalms. Um, so we got the Teen Challenge guys here today, um, eight or nine guys. Um, it's, been, it's been awesome to be a, a little, little tiny part of your guys' lives and to see uh, God at work in your lives. But I think the majority of you guys know what Teen Challenge is all about in here. Um, but Teen Challenge is a Christ-centered discipleship program for individuals that have a past of addiction. And today we're going to hear some of the stories uh, of these guys and how God has really just uh, got a hold of their heart and, and started an awesome, awesome work in their life. So before I have a couple of the guys come up, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for another day um, to come into this place and worship you and, and praise your name. You're good. You're all together when we're not. And uh, we look to you. We look to you as our Father this morning. And we thank you that you call us your sons and daughters. And um, Lord, I just pray that somehow, someway, this morning, that you would be known. Um, that you would truly shape us and transform us as we engage in a relationship with you here this morning. In Christ's name. Amen. I'm grateful for all the fathers here today. My dad's here today. Awesome, awesome dad. Um, he went through a lot with me, and I just appreciate his commitment um, as a father to me. Uh, I won't get too far into that because I'll start crying, and you guys don't want to sit here and watch me cry, right? Um, no, just grateful for all the fathers, and grateful that I have a father that pointed me to um, the father of fathers, right? Um, so uh, I'm just forever in debt to my dad, um, for sure. So let's have, uh, who's my first victim? Um, Let's have Christian come up first. Yeah, sure. Leave that over. Yep. Whatever you need, brother. Okay, and then uh, share a little bit of your story, and then when you get done, I'll come up and make fun of you for a little bit. It'll be good. Okay. Good. Well, I just want to say thank you uh, for having me. Thank you for letting me share my story here today. Uh, my name is Christian Graybill. I'm 23. I've uh, been at Teen Challenge for about six months now. Um, I grew up in uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, a family of five. Grew up in the church, had a pretty good, uh, good childhood. But uh, throughout my life, I always felt like something was missing. I was lost. I was confused. Um, I grew up watching my older brother. Always wanted to be like him. Um, if he played basketball, I wanted to play basketball. If he was partying, I wanted to party. If he was uh, drinking, I wanted to drink. And uh, after high school, um, that's when it got pretty bad. I started using drugs every day. Uh, just felt so empty, so I would fill that with drugs, alcohol, girls. Um, didn't care about anyone. Was very selfish, greedy, had a lot of jealousy in my heart. Um, I did whatever it took to get that next high, which eventually led to stealing from friends, family, uh, people from my work. And uh, it went downhill pretty fast. I uh, started isolating from friends and family, stopped going out with friends, uh, isolated from uh, family reunions, get-togethers. I just didn't want to see anybody. And even when I was at home with the family, I isolated from them just from all the guilt and shame uh, through everything I did. And I, I just felt alone. I was miserable. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror because I, I hated myself because I was hurting the people that I loved the most. And at that point in my life, I was, I was okay with overdosing and dying. I, I knew I was at the bottom of the pit, and thank the Lord that my parents knew something wasn't right either. And that's when I heard uh, they told me about Teen Challenge Cincinnati. And at first, obviously, I'm like, no, I'm not going. But Something was just telling me I needed to give it a chance. I needed to try it out. So the first day I get there, 
uh, Steve, one of our staff members. He prayed for me, prayed for all the withdrawals to go away. Uh, the second day, I remember laying hands on my legs, very sick in bed, and I just cried out to the Lord to take away the pain from my body, and the next day all the pain was gone. And that's the first time I actually put all my faith and trust in God. I knew this was real, and I, I just after that I just wanted more and more of God and just less and less of myself. And went to church that week and gave my life to Christ and just surrendered to everything. And at that point in my life, I just felt the shackles that were holding me down for so long were broken. And I felt free. I could finally breathe again. And it was a better feeling than any drug or alcohol could ever give me. And um, <laughs> praise God. It was an experience unlike any other that I ever had. And that's when I knew this place, Teen Challenge, was special. And I, I knew I needed to receive everything from this program. And throughout Teen Challenge, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning about being born again, which is through the Spirit and a re, uh, renewed mind. And by God's grace and mercy, I'm still alive and here today. So he, he deserves all the glory. Uh, I just want to continue to praise and worship God every day for everything he has done in my life and all the blessings he has given me and my family, and re restoring relationships with my friends and family, and people at my workplace, my bosses. It's just amazing, and I just know if I follow the plan Christ has for me, everything else will fall into place. And I'm also learning about discernment. It's a beautiful thing to learn discernment when you can recognize the lies from the, uh, the devil and stand firm in God's truth, which is God's word. And finally, like I said in the beginning, the thing that was missing most in my life before I came to Teen Challenge was the power of God's love and how you can use that to love others. So I just want to thank Rusty for allowing me to share my story. Thank my brothers right here. Um, I love you guys. We got a great brotherhood over there at the ranch. Help each other out a lot. Uh, thank you guys, the body of Christ. Love you guys, even though this is our first time meeting. Uh, and I like to end it with my uh, favorite verse that's been helping me a lot through my time at Teen Challenge, which is uh, Isaiah 40, 31st. And it says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you. Just keep this on. You can just keep this one on, that's fine. Somebody else is going to be coming up. Um, so I get to make fun of him now. This is good. This is really good. Uh, no, uh, I say that just because I want to try to stay calm because we are, and this is um, the reality of the power of God. And the, and the God that we serve is, is so real and he's so alive and he's changing people's lives. You know, people uh, that are addicted and hurting, he's getting a hold of their hearts and their minds and he's He's transforming them, and, and this man's a miracle, and, and he's a miracle because the God we serve is, is real and, and alive, and uh, I remember one of the first times I, I really got to engage with Christian, we were, um, it was during what we call work therapy at Teen Challenge Cincinnati, where a lot of the guys just keep up on, on the campus there, there's just, it's a pretty big uh, campus, I think there's a hundred acres there or more, but uh, we were back in one of the staff apartments, and um, it was empty, and it was, uh, the, the shower area was just stanking, stanking bad. And, uh, and I remember walking in there being like, man, I don't even know if I'd want to do that, you know, like this guy. And he walked right up in there, and he said, man, I'm going to serve the Lord today, and I'm going to make this happen. And it wasn't this thing where he was doing this work for, for man or, or to get the approval of men. You could see it all over him that he was just like, I just want to serve God. I want to serve God by serving others. And it was just a, a really cool thing. Let's pray for Christian before he heads back to sit down. Lord, we just thank you uh, for doing what you do, and that's transform lives. And, uh, Lord, I just I pray that you would continue to just reveal yourself to Christian and that he would share uh, his relationship with you, uh, with the world with his family, with his friends, with coworkers, with the people that uh, he crossed paths with throughout his life. I pray that as he goes, as he launches away from Teen Challenge, that you would lead him and guide him and strengthen him, uh, put people around him that love you so that he can be strengthened in a world that's really broken. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in his life. In Christ's name, amen. 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 You have body.
Um, I think you might have stole one of my papers, some of my notes. Uh, it doesn't matter anyways. I probably will never look at them. Um, but so um, the next uh, fellow that's coming up here um, is uh, his name's Terry. And God has been doing a really awesome work in his life. He's actually um, local. He's from around this area. And um, one of the awesome things uh, about Terry's story is whether you know it or not, um, hit, um, the greenhouse uh, supports his hope in a huge way um, and, and gives monthly to his hope. And um, because of God providing through people like you, uh, Terry is able um, to go to a place where he can hear about who the Lord is uh, because we were able to come alongside Terry and sponsor him and be helpful in his life. And it's just the provision uh, of the Lord in his life because the Lord values him and cares about him and, and desires to continue to see change in his life. It's just been an honor to, to see God at work in, in this crazy man's life, you know? So uh, come on up here, man. Shorter. Um, I want to thank you guys for having me. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Um, my kids are also here. My son's 10. My daughter's 6. My father's also out there. My family's here, and I just appreciate you guys supporting me. I'm very blessed. Um, the things that I've put my family through, it's only through God's grace that they're still here supporting me. i put them through a lot, and I wrote a spoken word piece because that's the gifting that I was given by God, and it's easier for me to write in spoken word. And I'll go more into that at the end. But um, one of my first verses I ever memorized when I was little was trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And though I was young and I memorized that verse, it never um, resonated with me that I really needed to trust in God and the lifestyle that I was in. Um, I basically believe that I, didn't, I couldn't trust anybody. I wasn't supposed to trust anybody. And because of that, it, it led me on a very, very destructive road. It almost cost me my life multiple times. And um, through God's grace, I'm still here. So here's part of my story. <laughs> I felt like I should leave out certain details of my life so it doesn't sound like a war story. But if I tell you where I was and where I'm at now, I'm just giving God more glory. I was raised in a Christian home with a, praying on, with a praying mom and dad. To be honest, I was spoiled rotten, but through addiction, it was all forgotten. I went to church every Sunday and Wednesday, went to church camps and conventions, sometimes five nights a week if it was revival that I mentioned, but none of that matters if you're not willing to listen. And though I stayed in the church, that didn't make me a Christian. I placed my identity in sports, excelled in everything that I played, but one day that all changed on a Wednesday in seventh grade. The coach said that I was too cocky and cut me from the team. And that was the first time ever I lost all my self-esteem. Instead of leaning on God, I chose to lean on weed. I was 13 and suicidal, seeking a new identity. My senior year, I was expelled from school because I chose to sell and use drugs. I was seeking to fill that void, but I couldn't because I needed God's true love. I heard multiple prophecies, but still that wasn't stopping me. Instead of placing my faith in God, I placed all my faith in me. There was multiple times that I contemplated suicide, but when I would close my eyes, all I could see was my mom's and my sister's cries. When I was near death and would veer left, I'm thankful I had angels to be my God. So again, thank you, God, for my hedge of protection. I was the only black kid in school, so I struggled with rejection. Blessed athletically, so that helped me gain acceptance. The devil's lies were like mines that took over my mind and detonated at different times, but through all that, God never left my side. 18, I caught a gun charge, and the prayers helped me beat that. 19, I caught another one, and my family couldn't believe that. You would think when things like that happen and God saves you, one would grow in faith. But instead, I took Satan's bait and increased my drug intake. Through all that, that landed me later in treatment. And no way am I taking shots at NA or AA. It saved millions of people's lives and saving more day by day. But to me, the ones who make it pray to God every day, while the ones who don't seem to be the ones who don't talk to God in any way. I know it works if you work it, 
But if God's not your foundation, then your program is worthless. And I know this because I was that person back in the streets, searching and hurting, knowing God's got a purpose, but I'm nervous. I'm damaged and undeserving. I'm scarred, but I'm still worth it. All the guilt, shame, and pain, I got to give it to God because no one's perfect. Four overdoses later, now I'm back in treatment. God says sin is only fun for a season. I heard it a million times. Now I truly understand the meaning. I'm away from my kids once again because of my selfish ways. But here it's different. Here we read the Bible and pray every day. I don't hear that I'm an addict day in and day out. And I am what I confess, so that doesn't come out of my mouth. At teen, before I got the teen challenge, as you can hear, my life was, um, I was blessed with a good family, but my life was on a really rough path. And um, my dad, we used to always try to preach to me, and my dad was always into the word. My, I was always in the church, but I never wanted to hear it. I didn't, I thought that I could figure everything out my way. And by the time I walked in the doors of Teen Challenge, I felt hopeless, you know, and that's, that's pretty bad when you feel hopeless and you feel like you have no worth and you have kids. Like, that's, that just shows you how strong addiction is and how selfish it'll make you. And um, I was a very selfish person, and one thing that I know that Teen Challenge has taught me is how to be a selfless servant. I was praying to God one day, and I was just telling them that, you know, I'm, I'm not here to help anybody else. I don't want to talk to anybody about their problems. I'm just here to, to help me. And that was the first time ever that God had spoke to me, not audibly, but it was like a spiritual download. And God said, you've been selfish all your life. Now it's time for you to be selfless. And so Teen Challenges taught me how to humble myself, how to be selfless, and also how to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and just change the way I'm thinking. If I change the way I think, I can change the way I feel and I can change the way I act. And I still, I'm just a work in progress, but I just, I'm so thankful for Teen Challenge. I'm thankful for my dad, my family that's there, my kids. You guys are bearing with me and God has been, uh, he's reconciled that relationship there. You know, I've always been real close. I've always had my kids there, but they, you know, they just said, Daddy, we just want you to come back when you're, when you're better, as long as you're back by Christmas. And that's a blessing. You know, that's a blessing. So I just, I thank God. I thank Teen Challenge. I thank Rusty. You've been pouring into my life. And I thank you guys for listening to my testimony. I just want to make sure he doesn't get the short end of the stick, you know. Uh, it's your turn now, man. No, uh, so uh, Terry called me uh, a few months back before he walked in the doors of Teen Challenge, and he was a broken man. Um, he had just, uh, I believe he had he'd overdosed recently, and uh, they had to use Narcan to bring you back to life, and, and so he was, a, he was a dead man, and God um, restored him and brought him back to life and he's continuing to do a work uh, in his life but it's just amazing uh you know it was just a few months ago that this this man called me and uh he was hopeless um was hurting i could tell though that he he grew up in a family that loved jesus that's for sure even in my conversation even in the midst of his hopelessness you could you could see little glimpses of maybe you know, maybe what my father has been telling me the majority of my life's real and true, right? Uh, I've seen that type of thing in him, and it's just been an honor, an absolute honor to be a part, of, a little part of your life. I'm only down with these guys one day a week, but it's 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 awesome to see from week to week even how much God's getting a hold of his life. So I love you, man. Lord, we just thank you for Terry. We thank you for his personality and how he can uh, make anybody laugh and just how enjoyable it is to be around him. I just pray that you would continue to use him to communicate your heart to the world, that you would continue to change his heart to look a little bit more like yours so that he can do that. Uh, Lord, we just praise you, we honor you, we thank you for another day to live for you. And I just pray that you would continue to empower this man by the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to speak boldly for you. In Christ's name.
pretty loud though anyways. Okay. Uh, most of you know that I come from a passive addiction myself. Uh, I was just thinking through during times in my life where God really showed up even in the midst of my addiction recently. Uh, and it was, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 16, 17 years ago, I was in a place in life where uh, my addiction had just consumed me. And I was feeling so hopeless and, and just unlovable and worthless. And uh, I was at a place where I really questioned whether or not I could even be forgiven. And um, I think at this point, I might have been driving that red car that you got that I'm still mad about because she got that car and I didn't. Um, so it's just jealousy, covetousness, all that stuff in me. Um, so, but I think I was in uh, my sister's red car and she had given me a, um, she was living for the Lord at this point. She had given me a CD, a third day CD. And I was driving in that car. I don't know what I was up to. I'm sure it was, you know, I was going to go somewhere and pray for three hours or something. No, that's not what I was going to do. Um, but uh, I was going, I was driving the car, and I was feeling really down. And um, just, just genuinely just hopeless. Uh, and I was hurting from the inside out. And I looked over, and I remember, well, there's that third day CD my sister gave me. And I put that third day CD in, and I'll never forget what happened next. Right? It was like uh, the, music, the person that was singing the song, uh, it wasn't just that person singing the song. It was like that God literally came into the car and sat next to me, and, and he started to speak to me. Right? So it was this time emotionally where I was just de depressed. I was in despair. I was, I was feeling like that I just couldn't be loved. And I heard these words, don't you know I've always loved you even before there was time? Though you turn away, I tell you still, don't you know I've always loved you? And I always will. Right? So listen to this. Don't you know I've always loved you, even before there was time? Though you turn away, I tell you still, don't you know I've always loved you? And I always will. Third day song. I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to sing it. You don't want me to do that, trust me. I don't sing to myself in the shower because I'm afraid my wife will hear me. Right? Um, but... It was literally like in that moment in time, God came into the car, sat next to me, and reminded me that I was a person of worth and value. It was like God like, came into the vehicle and sat next to me and said, I love you, son. And it was through a song. It was like he, he transformed my emotions, the way that I felt about myself in that moment in time through the power of that song. It was like that he transformed the way that I was thinking about myself through the power of that song. I, I like really genuinely believed that I wasn't lovable one moment. And then through the power of God using a song, the next moment I thought, wait a minute, I'm loved. Wait a minute, I'm forgiven. Wait, the God of all creation loves me and cares about me. Like even in the midst of my addiction, God was pursuing me. But isn't it amazing how powerful in our lives, like, as I say this to you guys, right, think back, I'm sure some of you are, like, about God just meeting you in places of despair in your life through song, in the power of song. As we come into this sanctuary today and we have uh, crazy people like Duke Bowles up here singing, right, God can even use a Duke Bowles, you know, um, but it's like we, we, we begin to, to interact with someone more than just who's speaking up here. Because our God is alive. Because he's powerful. Because throughout the centuries, throughout the centuries, God has interacted with his people through song. It's happened for thousands of years. God has chose to interact and to show himself through singing and through song. Time and time again, God does this. He, he literally takes us, our whole being, emotionally, mentally, physically, and if we choose to surrender to him during song, we find ourselves totally caught up in him. Where we're even our physical bodies are just surrendering, we're saying, God, we just want you. God, I just want to know you. God, change me and transform me. I've got to get to know you. Change my life. And he does. Like right there in that moment, he meets with us. The power of song throughout history. It's crazy. In the Old Testament, we see God's people singing songs to the Lord. The book of Psalms, right? 
is what we're in. That word psalm in the Greek actually means songs or hymns. Um, in Hebrew, it means praises. So we're singing, we're singing hymns. Right? We're praising God through the psalms. This was something that was not foreign in any way, shape, or form to Jesus either. So the physical, earthly Jesus that walked on this earth, he would have prayed the psalms. He would have meditated on the psalms. He would have sung the psalms. He actually quotes the book of Psalms more than any other book in the gospel. This was the very stuff of his life, the psalms. Like They sung the psalms. They meditated on the psalms. They prayed the psalms. And they relied on the psalms as, as an avenue for God to change them and transform them, for them to be the people that God intended them to be. So Jesus would have engaged in the psalms. His disciples would have engaged in the psalms. We see Paul writing at, at times, talking about, let's like run to the psalms. Let's, let's sing to the Lord. And that type of thing, right? So I think that it's just important for us today, as we get into uh, one of the psalms, to really engage in the psalm in the way that it was meant to be engaged in. I don't have a three-point sermon for you. I don't have some type of exegetical study where we're drawing out deep meaning of the Scripture because that's not what the Psalms were intended to do. They're simple. They touch our emotions. Right? They change our lives because God is simple in so many ways. So as we enter into Psalm 23, one of the most familiar Psalms in all the Bible, many of us can at least quote, I'd say, two or three verses out of it. As we enter into that, my prayer this morning is that we're not just entering into the psalm to tick our intellect again. That we're not just leaving this building with a little bit more information so that we can go and tell people what we learned at church. My prayer is that we meet with the God of all creation through the psalm this morning. And that we engage in his heart for our lives. And that we engage in relationship with him through the psalm this morning. So this is a psalm that David wrote. I most believe it was David that wrote this psalm. It's Psalm 23, and this is, this is how it goes. It goes, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, for his name's sake, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because he's with me. His, His rod and his staff, they comfort me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My prayer this morning is that I'm just not a man up here tickling people's ears, saying, that was a good sermon today. No, my prayer is that you meet with Jesus today as you sit here, that you surrender the the substance of your life to him today, that you think about God in relationship to your family, to your vocation, to what you're doing when nobody else is looking, like that we just engage in his heart for us. Listen to what David says, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So what he's saying is, the Lord's my shepherd. I don't lack anything. He's saying, saying, I don't lack anything. When I surrender to the Lord, the creator and maker of the universe, the one that has all of his riches according to his riches and glory, like he's rich, He's wealthy. That's the God that I desire to surrender to as my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. When I allow him to shepherd me, when I allow him to lead me, comfort me, I don't lack anything. There's no need for me to lack. I 
I'm allowing the God of the universe. I mean, think through this. God, like, we are, have this opportunity every day of our lives to allow the God of the universe to lead our lives. I'm guilty. I don't do that all the time. But we can. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. Corinne and I were um, early in our marriage. This would have been uh, 11 years ago, something like that. Um, we lived in Tennessee. Corinne had a, had a good job. Um, was it at middle school? Yeah, middle school, teaching. Uh, I was going to school full time. We had our, our own place to lay our heads at night. Um, our circumstances, our situation, we were in this place where, like, we didn't lack much. We had each other, right? We have all the crazy kids running around yet, right? Um, we were enjoying life together. And, and we were in this place where God was just really restoring our relationship from our past. That was, like, the time of our life where God put some brokenness that was in our past together. And, uh, of course, me, I decide that I'm going to be this prayer guy, right? So I start praying, and then I get bright ideas um, that end up, uh, yeah, shaping us in big ways, um, in good ways, I think. Um, but I, I just, I'm convinced that I hear from the Lord that it's time for us to go back to Dayton, that there's all, the, you know, these hurting people that are addicted. We need to get back to Dayton and tell the world about Jesus, you know? And, I mean, I'm halfway through school. <laughs> She's got a job. Uh, and, and I'm just like, I hear this from the Lord. I'm like, is this the Lord? Is this me? Am I crazy? What's happening? And uh, like two days later, I like hold on to it. And I'm like praying about it. I'm like, okay, how do I present this to my wife? This is going to go well. Um, we're in a place that's comfortable. And now I'm saying we need to like pack our bags, bags and go. And uh, she's pregnant at this point. So you know how that can work out. Hormones are a little shifting and changing quickly. Um, so, um, so I ask her. You know, or I tell her pretty much. I just say, you know, the Lord's really just put it on my heart that we just need to, to, to be, you know, thinking about moving back to Dayton. And she's like, okay, okay, like, when? I'm like, tomorrow. <laughs> and this is where it gets real crazy. It gets even crazy. She's like, you know, I believe that too. <laughs> I'm like, miracles happen. God, you have shown up. Yes, you did speak to me. Right? No, but she was all on board with this thing. So we... Uh, we started, you know, thinking about transition, started thinking about, wow, I got to, you know, my credits have got to transfer somewhere from school. She needs a job, you know, all this different stuff. And um, so we, you know, we get, we find a college for me to go to. Um, we, uh, we thought that we found Corinna a job and we move back with our newborn. She had our first, uh, our dog and us. I think we had like a U-Haul or something, didn't we? We had like a big truck or something. Yeah. And uh, so we move back. We pull up to Brian and Sarah's house for the two months we're going to stay there as we're transitioning. And, um, and then we find out that Corinne's job fell through. And so now, Brian and Sarah have a visitors for, it was about a year, about a year, right? But that felt different, right? When, I, when we were in a place where we didn't have our own home, where we were lacking in the sense of, like, circumstance situation. You know, she didn't have a job. We thought she had a job. Like, everything was disrupted. And we started to question everything. I'm sitting here like, oh, did I really hear from God? I'm going to act like I did. I'm going to be confident. Yeah, we heard from God, honey. We'll, we'll make it. Let's do it. Right? Uh, but in this thing, right, what, what really happened, it was, it was a hard time in our life, for sure. And we had a lot of questions, and we didn't understand everything. But it was through scripture like Psalm 23.1 that we got to learn, learn how to rely on God as our shepherd and as a shepherd that gives us everything we need. You know, the world would have told us, like, you know, you guys lack a lot. You ain't got a house. You ain't got a job. You crazy. Right? You ain't mentally stable. That's what they told me. Um, you know, the whole nine yards. Right? But we learned in that moment in time how to pray together that much more, how to encourage each other that much more, how to rely on the word that more, much more. And we really got to, to allow the scripture to be a part of our life. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. The Lord became our shepherd in that. We said, Lord, shepherd us. And no, we weren't like perfect by any means. Were we? No, didn't happen. Um, I want to go on a left. I'm not going to do it though. Okay. Um, 
I have another story. Yeah, I know. I got to move on. Okay. So at the end of the day, right, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. We shall not want. And then listen to what he says. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. So at some point, Corinne got the job. We moved into a home. We had our second child, right? Zeta, a little girl. We lived in a house on Park Avenue. We had two children. Life was going well. She had a job. I was finished up school. Like on the outside, everything looked like it was going pretty well, right? We didn't lack anything. But I was in turmoil inside of me. For months and months and months on end, I was struggling as a man. I was struggling with the reality that I wasn't our primary income as a provider for our family. I was struggling uh, with the reality that I was just being a jerk to our kids and was being very impatient with our children. Um, and it just kept happening. Like, like I was, and I don't know exactly why it was happening or anything like that still this day, but I just kept on being just ir- very irritable, just, just easily just like got, getting upset with my wife and things like this. And this kept happening. And like after a month or two, it got to the, pu- to the point to where I just wasn't going to the Lord for rest. Like I wasn't allowing him to, to bring me to this place where I'm lying down in green pastures, right? Where I'm allowing him to bring me to still waters. I was running to everything else to try to do that for me, to give me rest. And I, I self-implode. I mean, I just about went crazy. I remember looking in the mirror in our house and, and, and like this is like six years into my sobriety, looking into the mirror in my house and just being like, you know what? Like I'm not a father. Like my children would be better off without me. I'm a jerk. I'm not a good husband. I can't even provide for my family. Right? And instead of running to the Lord for rest in my life, I ran to so many other things that just weren't helpful. And it brought me to a place where I was going to run the drugs again. That day I went and I walked down my steps on that, in that house on Park Avenue. I mean, we're talking after five, six years of sobriety, I'm buying the lies again. And I was going to get in my car and I was going to go somewhere and put drugs on my body again. Because for so long... For months and months and months, I, was, I wasn't following the Lord, and whenever I needed the rest that only he can give, I was running another thing. Running the food. I love to run the food for rest. Works for a little bit, not for a long time. Then you get, whoop, uh, right? All that type of stuff, right? So, but you, we all run to our certain things, right? We have our defaults that we run to besides the Lord to get the counterfeit rest. Um, and, and I was just in this place where I was, uh, I was just tired so tired and I was going to run to the drugs again but as I walked down them steps and I almost got in a car I just I heard I heard the spirit of God just tell me no, no, no come to me come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden like all of you that are weighed down and I will give you rest and it was like it was like the spirit of God just gave me this big picture of like wait a minute the, the drugs that's not the route to go I've been down that road They'll give me rest for a little bit, but then I got to come down. Then I got to deal with the consequences, the disruption, the pain, the chaos that comes out of it. And I just, I just broke. I just surrendered. Just broke down and surrendered. Listen to what the psalmist says in, in verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's what I needed. Like I was running to all these other places for my soul to be restored. I was running to my wife to restore my soul. I love my wife, but she can't restore my soul. I I was running to my children to try to restore my soul. They can't restore my soul. I love to be around them. But at that point in my life, they were at that age where like they're high maintenance, man. I'm going to get real. Kid pooping everywhere, you're dealing with poop, you're fighting over who's going to change the diaper, you know. I don't know where the diaper's at. Where's the last diaper? Ah, run around the house, you're out of diapers. Right? Life's going, it's crazy. And we're just, I was in this place where I was re- trying to rely a lot upon people and things to restore my soul that they just couldn't do it. They weren't going to cut it. So when I went to my wife to, to try to restore my soul and she didn't meet the expectations that she was supposed to meet, guess what happened? I was led down a path that wasn't, what's it say here? He leads, us, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
not what happened. I wasn't going to him to restore my soul. I was going to other people that can't restore my soul. And then as they didn't meet the expectations that I thought they'd meet, guess what was happening? I wasn't being led down a path of righteousness. I was becoming angry, and I was screaming, and I was being an idiot. I wasn't being helpful in my family. I was bringing about conflict because I was not relying upon the Lord to restore me. And man, it was, it was like one of those aha moments when I heard the voice of the Lord again. I heard him and he came to me and I didn't deserve him to because I was doing my own thing. Once again, I was going in that other direction. When I was walking down those steps, like the Lord intervened. He spoke to me. He reminded me, man, I can restore your soul. I can put you back together. And that is my prayer for all of us in here today. Like, I pray that that whatever we're running to, to, uh, to restore our soul, that we just kind of like look at our lives. Say, are we really running to the word, to prayer, to relationship with the Lord to be restored or to other things? And if we're running to other things, our Father is so gracious. He just desires for us to just run back to him and be restored by him. Listen to this, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, last year was uh, a year from hell for our family in the sense of people passing away uh, from cancer. And uh, it was extremely uh, a hard thing for us to work through as a family. Um, very hard. But um, my my wife's brother, Ryan, he was diagnosed with cancer. He, um, last year, and lived for maybe, what, three or four months? It wasn't six months. Um, diagnosed with cancer, they, he was getting, they thought he had some allergy stuff going on. They did some images, and he had a tumor in his brain, like that big around up here in his frontal lobe area. And uh, they went in, they took the tumor out, and uh, he went back in two weeks later. And uh, the tumor was back the same size that it was when they took it out. Um, it was extremely fast-growing cancer, and we knew that, uh, aside from a miracle, that he wouldn't live for long. And we went down and visited him. And, um, and I'll never forget what he said when, when, when I walked in the door. I said, man, I was like, how are you doing? I mean, he's sitting there. His, he's deformed at this point because of the tumor in his head. His eye is just, I mean, it's just sticking out really far. And, he doesn't even look the same um, at this point. And uh, he looks at me and he says, I got jobed, man. I got jobed. And um, it was like in that moment in time where I realized that in the deepest, darkest valley of his life, that he was able to see God somehow in the middle of it. Like in the deepest, darkest suffering of his life, like somehow, some way, he was able to say to himself, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord's with me. You know, it wasn't much longer after that that he was in hospice and the tumors had taken over his body and were actually coming out of his skin um, that he laid in that hospital bed and that you just knew that you knew that you knew through the peace. He was just at peace. I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was unbelievable. Like in the deepest, darkest place of his life, God was there. God was right there. Um, he, he didn't fear because God was with him. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what it is in your life that may bring up fear. Maybe you're in a place where you're looking at your bank account and you're thinking, wow, financially, how, how's this going to work? We're going to lose our home. We don't have enough money. Somebody's sick. We don't have enough money to pay for the bills. Right? We, Our marriage is falling apart, right? You're in this deep valley. Maybe it's your health, right? You're in this deep valley and there's evil all around you. And the enemy is just barking his lies your way. Don't forget that the God of the universe, the God that created us and put us together, that knows us better than we know ourselves is right next to us. That even though we walk through the valley of a shadow of death, fear no evil because he's with us. Like that he has this rod and this staff with him and this authority that he carries with him as our shepherd. He'll fight off the enemy for us.
to his word. To his word. Listen. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So even when somebody comes against us and opposes us, the God of all creation has this table of life set before us. We're even in the midst of the darkest times of our life where the enemy is trying to destroy us. The God of all creation is saying, no, I got you. I got you. Uh, I was probably maybe a year into being on staff at Teen Challenge Cincinnati. And uh, we had a new student come in. And, and we were down in the classroom. The, this, uh, this man asked me if he could go use the restroom. He wouldn't use the restroom. 15 minutes go by, he doesn't come back. 20 minutes go by, he doesn't come back. 25 minutes go by, I think, well, okay, maybe I should go and see what's going on with him. So I go to walk up to the bathroom, and he is uh, in the bathroom singing, and they're not, th- this music is not Christ-centered at all. It's, it's, it is the deepest, darkest stuff I've ever heard. Like, think like cutting people up type of lyrics, um, type of music. Very dark and just, na- and I'm just sitting there like, whew, like outside the door hearing what he's doing in there, and I'm like, this is, this is dark, you know. Finally, I open the door and I say, hey, man, why don't, why don't you come out of the bathroom? You know, it's, you've been in here for 30 minutes. Uh, we'd love for you to be back in the classroom. And he comes out and he looks at me in my eyes and he tells me. He says, you know, he's like, I, I think I hate you. He said, and not only do I hate you, but I despise you. And, and I, I think I'm going I'm to kill you. He said, I, I'm going to take your, and he used other words, I'm going I'm to kill you. And, and then I'm going to kill your family. You want to talk about anger in you? <laughs> you want to talk about an enemy opposing life? I mean, this guy's telling me he's going to take my life. And then he's going to do something to my family, to my wife and my children. We talk about angry. <laughs> oh, I was angry. But it was like God showed up. <laughs> like, it wasn't me. Trust me. It wasn't me. I wanted to strangle the kid. It wasn't me. It's God. And it was like he prepared a table before my enemies. A table of love, a table of forgiveness, a table of grace, a table of power and strength. That even as somebody opposed me to the point where they're saying, I will take your life, somehow, some way, the God that we serve that loves us, that's alive, he speaks to me. Right? Like his presence came into that moment, like, I'm like, God's here. Because I'm sitting there praying in my mind, like, what am I going to say next? You know, I'm about ready to freak out. And it was, it was like he anointed my head with oil in that moment. It was literally like the presence of God. I felt God. It's like oil would coming over your body. I felt God present. And then it was like he filled my cup to overflowing. Like, even in the presence of my enemies, this happened. I'm just a normal person, just like you. Our God is awesome. Right? And, and what came out of my mouth next wasn't me. It was the Spirit of God working through me. I looked at the, the man in his face, and I said, I want you to know that I forgive you, and that I love you, and that the God that made you and created you loves you, and that he had a purpose and a plan for your life. And this isn't it. The way you're choosing to relate isn't how God, how God created you to relate. It was one of those times, you know what I mean, where like somebody's coming against you and you look at them and you say, man, they're tr- this is my enemy. And God prepares that table. Right? For the sake of time, I'll move on. Listen, surely goodness and mercy, some of the translations say love. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't it awesome to know that the God of the universe desires to lead us into this life as we surrender to him, as we allow him to shape us and mold us into the image of Christ, to lead us into this life that even in the deepest pits 
even in the darkest places, the God of the universe says, now, I'm so good and I'm so merciful that my mercy and my goodness will follow you in the darkest, deepest places of despair in your life. I'm with you. And not only that, like I'm not a God that's just there one minute and poof, magician gone the next. But I'm the God that you can dwell in my place forever. I don't know where you're at this morning, but my prayer is that through the psalm, that through the word of God, that all of us in this room come to a place as we begin to just enter into worship and a time of singing, that we, we come to this place again where we're, it's not just Duke, bearded Duke. Are you coming back up here, Duke? Are you going to sing at the end? Okay, bearded Duke. It's not just bearded Duke up here singing, right? He would not make a very good God. Ask his wife. Uh, right? It's not just bearded Duke up here singing, right? It's, it's us engaging in song with the Lord. It's us surrendering our emotions, our minds, our physical being to the Lord and just saying, God, change me. Shape me. Mold me into your image. I just want to look more like you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word, share your heart. Lord, I just thank you for entering into my broken, messed up life and loving me time and time again. I just pray for every person in this room here today. I pray that you would continue to restore I pray that you would continue to shepherd. I pray that you would continue to bring us to those places in life where we can rest. Lord, I pray that even in the presence of our enemies, that you would prepare a table that is good before us. Lord, give us your strength through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we just need you. We need you more today than we've ever needed you. I pray that you would strengthen us so that as we go back out into this broken world and the enemy spits those lies in our direction, that we can stand on the truth that you're with us. In Christ's name, amen.